to Leitner. Puts it up. You're listening to the Culture State Podcast. Get ready. Yes, sir. We are back on the Culture State Podcast. The light-skinned guy, Chris Lee. The dark-skinned guy over there, Dennis Cox. If you're watching us, uh, his light went out. Um, during our interview so it's darkness everybody yes darkness it's and we're here for another episode of the culture state podcast what do you say dennis i said it's spreading um (laughs) it is spreading it's an yes it is an hike sorry i think i'm just gonna keep laughing from that now uh throughout the rest of this uh this episode but chris not only is another episode of the culture state podcast we got to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Papa Murphy's Pizza. Yo, thank you guys so much, Papa Murphy's. I, I've, I've got to go get a pizza now and, and try it out. And every Tuesday, get any large pizza for just $10.99. Papa Murphy's, change the way you pizza. Yeah, it's, it's well, Chris, if you haven't had it before, it's nice because it's actually, they, they prepare the pizza for you, but you take it home, you bake it in the oven yourself, so it's ready and hot, fresh at your convenience and oh. and i'm pretty sure they might have some vegan options for you chris so there's some there's some ways to make it vegan just for you don't worry my I, girlfriend was telling me there's some ways to make it vegan for you chris so thank you to papa murphy's for that we also want to thank jake delone he is yes. our uh guest today on the culture state podcast former quarterback for the carolina panthers came this close this close to winning a Super Bowl if it weren't for a guy named Tom Brady. My gosh. Tom freaking Brady. If it weren't for him, Jake DeLone would have brought us uh, a championship. But it's okay, though, because uh, Jake DeLone is still uh, somebody that we look at fondly uh, because uh, he's one of two quarterbacks uh, in, in Panthers history uh, to bring Panthers to, to the Super Bowl. And so, you know, of course, you can't hate somebody that's done that for you. Uh, ever so uh shout out to jake delome so this one was interesting because i was literally in the press box uh mm-hmm. at the panthers jets game to begin the season um after the game was over you know we're all listening to the you know the press conferences and things like that getting stuff together i'm i'm, I'm typing up my reports and things like that and um i go to get some water and jake delome is at the at the buffet you know, just kind of watching the TVs, you know, kind of stuffing his face with uh, some type of food or whatever. And I was like, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt, but, um, you know, I work at WRL in Raleigh. I would love to get an interview with you. You know, he was like, oh, yeah, just text me. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. Uh, let me get your number. Uh, and I just went and put my put his number in. And he was like, yeah, just text me. and We'll get a time together and all that. And it literally worked out like that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I thought I was going to have to go through a publicist or or mm-hmm. a representative or manager or something. But no, nah, Jake DeLome set this up with us. Well, that, hey, props to him. Uh, props to him. Yeah. Props to you for doing that, for just asking. The fact that he's just like, hey, yeah, uh, here's my phone number. I, one thing that you people will realize that are, are, that are watching and listening to this podcast, that Jake DeLome is just a genuinely a good guy he's just a really nice yeah. guy and the fact that he was willing to give his time for us was uh was just pretty remarkable now you, you mentioned chris about how the panthers the 2003 team jake delone's first year in carolina after mm-hmm. spending six seasons with those dreaded new orleans saints um yeah boo they played in the super bowl which was played in january 04 uh which was just happens to be not only known as um one of the many super bowls that the patriots won 
but also the wardrobe malfunction Super Bowl. Also is known the uh, is the wardrobe malfunction Super Bowl. What do you think? We all remember that one. Uh, I think we all witnessed that one live. So that is also a staple uh, of the very first Carolina Panthers Super Bowl. Yeah, it's uh, it was definitely a memorable Super Bowl. That was I remember watching that. I, I was dating uh, my first girlfriend at the time. She had a Super Bowl get together at her um, house. This was my senior year in high school. Um, you know, I, I was just like, man, the Carolina Panthers are about to really do this. They're about to win. Uh, we were um, like only an hour, hour and 15 minutes from Charlotte. Uh, but, you know, things were just so busy and so pumping at the time uh, with that. The, the fever around the Panthers was just was on a different level than what I'd ever seen it. And there were people who were putting songs together on the radio for the Panthers. It was a, it was a yeah. really big time. And Jake Delhomme was the guy leading the team at the time when it came to that. And the, the way that game or sorry, that team was, was formed was it just said, Oh, now we, now we think of it as old school style football, where it was, yeah. it was guys like Stephen Davis carrying the load on, on offense as a running back. And then you look at just how tough that defense was. I, it was yeah. just a, such a different era. You look back, still less than 20 years ago, just how much the game has changed between then and now, and just the way rules have changed and just how much better the athletes are. I mean, not saying that there are bad athletes back then, but just how training and everything is all, it's, it's shaped the game so differently nowadays. And, you know, if you look at the names on that team, um, mm -hmm. those are legendary names. Oh, yeah. In football in the state of North Carolina. I mean, Jake DeLome, Julius Peppers, you have mm -hmm. Steve Smith, Musin yeah. Muhammad, you know, you said Stephen Davis, Deshaun Foster. Like, there's so many, you know, Jordan Gross. There's so many, like, big-time football names. And uh, at the time, you know, when everything's new and all that, you know, you don't really get a chance to understand how big that is. But looking back, uh, the way we can look back at it almost 20 years ago, those are some huge names. And yeah. um, we can do that now with, you know, the Carolina Panthers from 2015. Cam Newton, Jonathan mm -hmm. Stewart, Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, Greg Olson. You know, you have those names that are like that. And so um, I'm hoping that, you know, we can look finally back on uh, this this era of the Carolina Panthers and say, oh, Christian McCaffrey, Sam Darnold, Shaq Thompson, you know, Brian Burns. I hope we can be able to do that uh, with this group as well, because this is a this is a really good group. And I hope they continue to start growing together. And this is something that we talk. We'll definitely talk to Jake about this is the way that the state, the city of Charlotte, but also the state of North Carolina has embraced a pro in South Carolina and, and South now, Carolina. No, we're not counting them, Chris. Okay. We're all about the state. There, of it's North the, North it Carolina. is the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Okay. Do we say South Carolina? For the Carolina no, we don't. Yeah. Well, practicing <laughs> different. Get out of here. Um, get out of here, South Carolina. But my point is, is that for being in such a college-heavy area, the fact that the the city and the state of North Carolina has embraced the Panthers as one of its own, and you're hearing these names that are synonymous with the with the quote unquote greats of the franchise, and that these names are still relevant today with fans today who are our age, who are in their mid thirties, they still reflect fondly upon that. And they're passing those names down onto to younger generations like me. My mom's from Western Pennsylvania. My grandfather was a steel worker. I, I grew up hearing the names of Rocky Blyer, Franco Harris, Mean Joe Green, Jack Lambert, Jack Ham. 
I those are names that were well before my time as a fan, obviously long before I was born, but those have been ingrained in my head. And for years now, you're going to keep hearing names like Stephen Davis, Jake Loam, Steve Smith. They're all going to be just synonymous with this franchise for years to come. Absolutely. My my daughter is going to hear all about Steve Smith and all about Jake Delhomme, yeah. even though they uh, they've never played a down of football in her lifetime. So uh, she's going to know all about that. But remember, though, Dennis, two states, one team. OK. OK. I know we're the better better of the Carolinas. But when it comes to the Panthers, it, it is two states, one team. Oh, you, you hit me with the crickets. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I guess this will be a good time to take a quick break. <laughs> and on the other side of the break, we'll talk to Jake DeLone. We, we promise not to bring up the state of South Carolina at all. Nope. Nope. You know, we want to keep Dennis happy on this whole thing. <laughs> so after this quick break, you'll hear from Jake DeLone, number 17, the Carolina Panthers, right here on the Culture State Podcast. All right, growing up as a Carolina Panthers fan, uh, you know, there's two quarterbacks I think of the most as Cam Newton and it's Jake Delhomme, uh, when it comes down to the two quarterbacks that really led this franchise to some real success. And so now we get a chance to talk to uh, Jake Delhomme right here on the Culture State Podcast. Um, you know, led the Panthers uh, in, in 2003 to the Super Bowl. Actually, it was played in 2004, but the 2003 season. Uh, so thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, and it's great to have you here. Uh, first off, um, you know, what's it like now just being on the broadcast side? You get a chance to watch the players do what they're doing and you get to analyze what they're doing on the field, what you used to do for the Panthers. Well, thanks for having me on. I um now to the broadcast side, uh, I absolutely love it. I really and truly do. It's um it's something that was in the works for for a while. I just I was letting I guess my daughters get a little older. I didn't want to miss many of their activities on weekends and sports and whatnot. So uh, now that they've grown up a little bit, uh, I've had more time to do it, and uh, I love it. It's a, uh, I still get that same kind of, it's not the exact same, but that same kind of feel walking into the stadium, preparing for the game, watching film of the up, uh, upcoming opponent, um, and then I get to sit and, and just call the game. And um, it's uh, it's very easy to work with Nick Mixon. He's uh, he's first class all the way, and uh, I, lo- I grew with it. I, our little crew is, is pretty darn good. Jim Zoe, I don't think we step over each other and we have a lot of fun and we all go for the Panthers and we want to see success. And, um, you know, so far this year, uh, we played four games and three out of, uh, out of the four were very good. Well, what's it like now? Like, like just being in the broadcast booth, it, do you have a different appreciation or just different viewpoint of the game now that you're seeing it played live? Just, but for again, like the all 22 perspective. Well, I, listen, I'll be honest with you. Sitting in that booth, uh, it, it makes it seem a lot easier than it was because you're <laughs> sitting there and you can see things happen and I can see plays develop. Uh, you can see where, you know, a running back needs to make a cut. Uh, in essence, you can just see how things all happen. And it's not that way on the field. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I wish it was that easy on the field. Yeah. Like, gosh, there was a huge void in there. We could have just fit it in. And then if you, catch the end zone copy there's somebody that flashes in front of the quarterback's face and and whatnot it makes it look a lot easier um but it's um it's it's just so much fun to watch and see and i still get 
I'm still in amazement at some of the speed at which these guys play with in the NFL. I think that's the thing that just always stands out to me, and I've never lost fact of the sight just how talented these guys are. I've always wanted to know this, but uh, I guess growing up in Louisiana and then also you um, having time uh, with the New Orleans Saints, do you uh, is there like a I guess a conflict <laughs> with you sometimes. Like sometimes you're going for the Saints, sometimes you're going for the Panthers. When they play each other, you don't know who to go for. That no. type of thing. No, that that's never been a conflict. As a matter of fact, <laughs> it's never been remotely close. I um, listen. I grew up two hours from New Orleans, and and certainly Saints were um, the the they're the popular team. Football is. Gosh, in a word, football is is God in in these parts of the world. I mean, that's all everyone cares about. Uh, yes, New Orleans has the uh, the Pelicans, but they don't care. They they really and truly don't. It's all about the Saints. And and to be honest, where we're from, I, I followed the Saints growing up, and also the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dallas was only five and a half hours away, and certainly they were very popular in the seventies and early eighties. And and so I kind of I never really had a true allegiance to one team or the other i just i love football and um you know i was lucky enough to play there for six uh six seasons um and that was convenient and nice but you know once i went to uh carolina it was carolina blue all the way and it, it's still that way uh that's just kind of before i even started doing the broadcast and i always pull for the saints just because of uh at one point many players were still on the team but then just everybody else that works in that building in carolina that i that i was so close to that was my place now, before you got to Carolina and during your time with the Saints, you actually played over in NFL Europe for a little Correct. bit. Now, you backed up a bit for Kurt Warner, who eventually played right. in the Super Bowl, won Super Bowl himself. What was it like playing overseas in Europe, an American sport overseas? Listen, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it was a true kind of learning ground for uh, young players that weren't quite ready yet. And I think a lot of that for quarterbacks. I truly believe it was a quarterback's league. Um, I think, in essence, it was you saw more so quarterbacks, uh, some interior offensive linemen that might have been from smaller schools, a kicker or a punter, um, because those those jobs are so little. And then you always saw the raw wide receiver, so to speak, the kid from maybe a smaller school that had all the physical tools that just needed a little more refinement. I absolutely loved it. Our training camp was in the States. So we flew over there a week before the first game, and then you played 10 games. So it wasn't like you were there for a long period of time. The rosters were very small, 35 guys on the roster. Um, but it was a great deal of fun. Many, many friends that I've met over there, uh, and still friends to this day, but it was a true learning ground for me. Um, you know, I go back to the times that I was there around that time, Damon Heward played like 13 years in the NFL, John Kidna, um, certainly Kurt Warner, uh, Todd Bauman, uh, Todd Bowman played, gosh, I think 10 years in the NFL. Brad Johnson was a little bit before our time. So there were many, many quarterbacks that kind of came before us. And there were a few after us that you just you you get to play, you get to run a two minute drive, you get to do things of that nature that in the course of a training camp and or a preseason, your reps, your reps are so limited that you just you don't get that. So that's one thing that I thought was great about NFL Europe. Is that something you think is missing today? More of the developmental aspect uh, for the NFL place where people can go get some snaps uh, so they can be more NFL ready? I, w I really 
wish they still had it. I, I'm not so sure financially how viable that really was. They've tried to make some of these other leagues in the springtime, but I just thought that kind of worked. And the passionate fans that were over, uh, be it Amsterdam or they had at one point three teams in Germany. Um, they had one in Barcelona, one in Scotland. At one point they had one in um, in London, the London Monarchs in, uh, in, in England. So I think especially now I, the, the brand of American football has really kind of it's pretty global. Um, so I, I would love to see it work. Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's father, was actually the commissioner of our league. And Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck was a, a young kid running around. Uh, at that time when I was playing way back when. So um, it w- I just think it would work. I just think it helps with young kids. Teams would allocate these young quarterbacks and they just get more playing time. I also think as well as like Adam Vinatieri started over there Correct. and look at the long career that, that yep. he had. Any cities that stood out to you? Just And what was the culture like in some of those places? You know, it was great. Listen, we're in Amsterdam, and everybody hears about the red light district and things like that. I was a 21-year-old kid at the time. Um, We practiced every day. You might have had one day off a week. And I'll be honest with you, I was probably too young and immature to truly understand the culture and things of that nature. I enjoyed it. Um, We had a great time. Uh, saw many, many things that we, whenever we'd go to Scotland, we'd go to Edinburgh Castle. Uh, whenever we'd, we'd go to the, um, we were lucky at that time in Frankfurt the following year when I was there, we had three guys from West Point on our team. We could visit the Army bases. It wasn't really as, I guess, strict back in 1999. So we could visit those Army bases. Uh, bases. And so th- I enjoy things like that, but really and truly, I was probably way too young and immature to truly grasp and understand it. I was, we were there to work. We were there for a job. And I was there to try to help make myself a better player to en- enable myself to play in the NFL. Let's bring it back to uh, to North Carolina and uh, your time in Charlotte. Um, what was it about the area that you liked as far as outside of the actual team? Uh, when it, what is it about Charlotte that maybe you like? Were there go-to places like, you know, Bojangles Cookout or something like that you, you like to uh, visit every once in a while? Uh, tell us a little bit more about your time there that you, uh, that you really enjoyed. Listen, we, we loved it. Uh, my wife and I, we packed up and moved there with our oldest child, who's now in college. Uh, was, she was three months old. Uh, we didn't know anybody and certainly, you know, met some teammates, obviously. But we met a ton of friends outside of football, and they're still friends to this day. Um, we just loved everything about it. At that point, young family, young kid. We didn't have a nanny. We didn't have baby, you know, true babysitters every now and then we had someone maybe watch uh, the kids and then we had another one a few years later down the line um so charlotte was just it, it was growing up for my wife and i and it was fantastic uh, you know we lived in south charlotte um we lived in a great neighborhood great families uh, great friends and just everything about it i always said if they didn't have what I needed five minutes or within five miles of my driveway in Charlotte, then I didn't need it in this world. I mean, they had everything you needed and it didn't feel like this big hustle and bustle of a big city. It it truly felt like a, I don't want to, I guess quaint would be the word. It was like a quaint Southern town that I just truly loved. So your first season with Carolina, halftime of the first game, you're all down 14, nothing coach taps you on the shoulder. You're, you're going in. What was that moment like? getting the call at halftime to go in and replace Rodney Peake? Well, um, I was ready, uh, to be honest with you. I, Coach Fox had kind of talked to Chris Winkie and I leading up to that week that, hey, listen, you know, Rodney's a starter, but everybody be ready. 
Um, and we weren't playing well in the first half. The crowd booed us off the field, and you, you could kind of sense maybe a change might have been necessary. And so I get the call, and, you know, it's just it's, it's go time. It's, it's time to go. Well, change worked out. You made it all the way to the Super Bowl. So <laughs> yeah, uh, we're, we were a good football team. We were a good football team. We were young, hungry, fast, uh, and a lot of us kind of really grew up. Uh, some of the pieces they added in free agency, how the Washington at the time Redskins, now the football team, how they let go of Stephen Davis, I'll never understand because uh, he still had tread left on, on those tires, and <laughs> it was evident. And he had Deshaun Foster, who was – one, he was a really good player, but two, if he wouldn't have had a couple of these debilitating injuries, they'll tell him how great he would have been. A young Steve Smith going into year three. Julius was in year two. Chris Jenkins was like year three. Dan Morgan, Will Witherspoon. Uh, Jordan Gross was the first round, you know, rookie. Um, I can go on and on with these established vet veterans that, th that they already had. Obviously, Musin Muhammad, you had a clutch kicker in John. So it was just, um, Mike Minner, Mike Rucker. I can go on and on. It was The team was ready to, to move forward at that time. Yeah, that, that was definitely an awesome uh, group of guys. I, I want to ask you a little bit more about Steve. You you guys are um, some of the personalities from that that crew that is just some of the most memorable and you guys seem like, you know, two opposite guys, but but super fiery on your own and together. I, I want to know, like, how did that fire mesh together and work uh, so well during your playing time together? Well, I think we grew up uh, both of both of us. You know, Steve was as a rookie, I was with the Saints and we were in that division. And I can remember vividly the the on Wednesday morning when you'd meet with the coach and give your offensively your three point key points of the game defensively and then special teams well as a rookie it was hey they have the best returner in the National Football League punt and kick returner in number 89 Steve Smith this guy he's not big but I'm telling you he's the best player best special specialist in the National Football League so knew who he was obviously get to Carolina and just see the physical gifts and talents that he has um, and I think we both really grew up that first year. I made a ton of mistakes. He was young, still getting refined at the receiver position because really and truly he played some, but it was more special teams his first two years. And we just kind of grew together and we both had a, um, we just, we both hated to lose. I mean, we hated to lose yeah. and we, we, we were willing to put in the work off the field, um, to, to make us better. And I think that helped carry over to the team, but we had many guys like that. There were a lot of guys on the team that were like that. And so um, we were able to grow, to grow together. And certainly he's a, a hall of fame type of uh, talent and player. And it just worked. Did you ever get any trash talk uh, arguments with Steve Smith while you were there? He's known for being a trash. Oh, sure absolutely. No, I, sure yeah, this, this, <laughs> that the roster that we had, we had some, uh, we had a lot of alpha males on on, on those football teams, and you know it was a uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, we were hard on each other, uh, but we, we respected each other. And so we we there was many and many a uh, of um, discussion. Let me use that word discussions <laughs> that we would have on and off the practice fields and game and game field. But we, we respect everybody respected each other for the most part on those football teams. It was a a respect factor. We didn't all get along at all times, but that that's going to happen. You're not going to get along with everybody. Yeah. We had Mike Mender on uh, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, he's the head coach of Campbell, which is over here close to Correct. us in Raleigh. And 
uh, you know, he's doing a good job with them. And, you know, he you could tell he's just a fiery, passionate type of guy. And it just feels like that group of guys uh, just between you, Steve, Mike, uh, John Fox, it was just a, a fiery group. And you can kind of see how the personalities um, could work together to do something great. Um, you know, the way you guys did. Uh, let's talk about the team now. What do you like about uh, the team now, this new iteration under Matt Rule, Sam Darnold um, having a, a good 3-1 start as we're talking right now, um, and the first Panthers quarterback to, to throw 300 yards in back-to-back-to-back games. I, I would have thought that you or, or Cam would have already done that. What do you think about, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Sam Darnold on that? Well, I'm not so sure how many times we would have done that with Foxy. He wanted to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, pass it, <laughs> run true. it, run it, run it. And that's a that's a running joke, and we tell Foxy that all the time. That was just – that was his blueprint, and, and you know, it, it really and truly worked. But um, I think this team, I, I guess in a word, I would – I would say growing. I um, last year's football team, I, I couldn't do the games because of the whole COVID situation. But watching them play, you know, I, I thought they overachieved at some some games. Like I didn't think they belonged in certain games, and they would be in there till the last drive. And they were there. It's just you you thought maybe there were some parts that were missing. And I think draft wise, free agent wise, we've started to slowly add to the, add these pieces. And I think this team is a growing football team that's very young, very hungry, willing to work, um, and willing. I, I'm anxious to see a transformation of a team that, yes, we're bringing one, but I want to see a team each week, week in and week out. There's an expectation that we're going to win. We're going to go 1-0 and each and every week. And I'm not saying they don't have it now, but I just want to watch it through the course of a season. It's still early in the season. We're only four games in. So I want to watch this team continue to grow because youth – is extremely prevalent all along this roster from number one down to number 99. It's very young. Um, and just see how these, these young kids continue to grow and watch Sam and, and his development. I think you're seeing a different quarterback, a quarterback that's, I don't want to use, I don't want to say he wasn't happy in New York, but that just wasn't the best situation. And that's a tough situation. Right. It's a lot more weapons around him here. I think Joe Brady's doing a really good job. Um, and the weapons that he has, Sam's using them and it seems like he's playing pretty well. Um, and, and I look forward to him to, to, to get better as the season goes on. I know the glaring weakness for the Panthers right now is the offensive line. And I mean, you know, more than anybody, like, you know, you, you can be, uh, the best that you can be as a quarterback, as you're being protected, if you're standing upright, um, with the deficiencies of, of the line right now, is that something that can be fixed in the season? Or is this one of those things where you just kind of have to patch it and work through it and, just let's make it to the draft so we can get more protection uh, around Sam for, for next year. Do you think this is something that can improve this year? It's going to have to, I mean, there's no, no, no other way around it. If this team's going to have some sustained success, it's going to have to pick up some um, week one against the Jets. We Jets, we beat that football team, but Sam got hit many, many times in that game. Mm -hmm. um, and they got after us and the, the Jets, if they have one strong point of their team, they have a solid defensive line. Um, but then again, you go to that game, the touchdown pass to Robbie, uh, Christian McCaffrey fills in for uh, a, an offensive lineman that gets beat at the line of scrimmage. Um, and then the line, I thought, settled down and played better the next couple of games. Um, and then against Dallas last week, it was rough, uh, to be very honest. It was rough. Sam got hit a ton. Uh, there were a couple of plays where we had some things that were going to be open if there was just some normal time in the pocket. So, um 
Listen, there needs to be some improvement. Uh, whether or not there's going to be new guys coming in, I, I can't really say that. There's a couple of young kids uh, that were drafted this year that I know they're high on. Um, so we, we, we just need consistent play up front, uh, whether that's communication or whatnot. But when the line of scrimmage gets moved either way, uh, when you're on the wrong side of it, it's not good. And that's what happened Sunday. We were on the wrong side of the line of scrimmage. They moved our offensive line back into our lap, and their Cowboys offensive line moved into our linebackers. And so that's mm-hmm. why it wasn't – now Dallas had something to do with it. They're talented up front on offense, and they're doing a good job defensively. Um, so uh, we need to see some improved play on the offensive line for us to um, kind of keep growing, as I mentioned earlier. How have you seen – the city of Charlotte from when you were playing, when you first got to the Panthers embrace the team again, North Carolina is known for being a college sports state, you know, with, with, with a plethora of big time schools. How have you seen the area grow? Again, it's a lot of transplants in the Charlotte area, but how have you seen the city grow around the team? Well, listen, we had great fan support. Um, I, I do know early on, you would hear that when I was with the Saints from 97 through 02. So those six seasons, you would hear that going to Carolina, it's not going to be the loudest crowd. It's kind of a, a wine and cheese type crowd. It was a very banking type of town. So that's what you, that's what was said in our meetings. And so because you were used to this fanatical fan base in New Orleans, that like we had true home field advantage. So you go to Carolina and it might get loud some, but it never truly felt. And then I'll be honest with you, when we got there in 03, Yes, winning helps. Um, and you just kind of you felt it. And I thought we had a lot of we had home field advantage uh, many times during our course there. And I just think now that's 03. You're looking at 18 years later. Some of these kids and I say kids, they're 10, 11, 12, 13 high school kids that were going with their parents. Now they're adults. And yep. so it's kind of built into their fabric of that city now. And that's they're passing it on to their generation. So I ran into a young couple with a couple of young kids, uh, three young kids. Um, gosh, I think it was week two. I was just kind of walking um, the day before the game, um, killing time and uh, ran into them. And both of them were like, hey, we were both in high school. Uh, Super Bowl years and things like that. And here they are. They're riding their bikes downtown. You can tell they were both working adults with three young kids. So you just kind of see it over time. It really starts to to get involved and winning helps. Listen, you know, we had a good run there for a while. Then we had a little lull and then you get Cam Newton. And that brought a ton of excitement. The Cam, the Greg Olsons, the Luke Keekleys, things of that nature. That brought another, you know, kind of embedded another young fan base that hopefully this this coaching staff and this team can continue to go forward with. Absolutely. I was 17 during that uh, 2003 season. And so that was exciting for me to see I'm from Greensboro and um, and, you know, I can't go and cheer for the games because I'm helping to cover the games now. So you can't cheer in the press box. But it was one of the reasons why I wanted to be there just because it was like, okay, I want to get a chance to cover the Panthers um, because the team was fun. And and that's what I noticed um, uh, when I was young. Um, I want to know about your time away from football right now. You know, I was we were setting this thing up. You mentioned the racehorses and you mentioned your farms. I want to know what you got going on down there. In Louisiana, when you're not uh, covering football, uh, you're getting some racehorses together, you winning some uh, some money on the track. <laughs> well, I, I'm a th- I'm I'm third generation, so this is not something I picked up along the way. Okay. Uh, my grandfather was a big cattleman, big farmer, 
and you know we kind of he, he had a ton of land, a ton of property, and 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 stuff like that. And so, uh, you know, it was he, that was a very big business back home, having the racehorses and things like that. So, um, I kind of grew up doing it. I didn't grow up hunting, fishing, golfing, and so uh, we always had the racehorses, uh, you know, a few at a time. Um, and that's what we loved. I went to school, played sports, and shoveled poop. I mean, that's kind of what we did. Um, and and listen, I, I finished. I, I, we always had it while we while I played, but I've I really kind of dove in deeper once I'm done. Um, it really helps fill a competitive void, to be quite honest. I mean, you never, you truly miss that locker room. You 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 miss that 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 competitive feel uh, because you, I, I I did it for so long. And horse racing is very very tough to say the least if you're winning at 20 percent of the time uh in in the racehorse business you, you're doing well and there's not many other professions in life you win 20 percent of the time it is considered success so i love it. it it keeps me busy uh to say the least it's an everyday uh deal and i do it with my dad who retired from his regular job so he's 75 and still at it and then my brother's 51 and his wife's a vet, veterinary, a veterinarian, and they have a vet clinic. So we all kind of together uh, in it, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's awesome. I can just imagine a young Jake alone just just scooping up. Yeah, it is what it is. So I, I have to ask you this question just because um, I'm a fan of, of New Orleans uh, hip-hop and New Orleans right. bounce. Did you ever get into uh cash money, no limit, all of those down there during that time? Hey, listen, in 1997, 98, 99, obviously cash money records taking over for the nine, nine, you know what I mean? Like that was, <laughs> they were, that was my age. I mean, I was, yeah. I, you'd see, you'd see these guys out. Like if you go to, there was a restaurant on St. Charles called Houston's. Um, it's kind of like an upscale, um, I guess you'd say like a Firebirds in Charlotte or something like that. You know, it's a, it's a, it's more of a an upscale Chili's, I guess you could say. But Houston's, we go there a lot. It was a cool place. You'd see those guys in there when we play in charity golf tournaments. Um, you'd see some of the uh, they they have mansions in, on these golf courses with the golf carts, with the uh, the rims on the golf carts, all these tricked out mm -hmm. golf carts. So. Uh, yeah, they were very, very popular um, at that time, and and certainly I was a big fan of their music, uh, especially at that time in my life. I'm just trying to imagine, like you know, if you're getting warmed up for a Saints game, listen to Bling Bling at the same time. It just well, I think I that's kind of awesome. I, I actually remember one night. Um, it might have been a Monday night game or Sunday night game. We were playing the Rams, if I, my memory serves correct, and Mystical was going to be the halftime act, and he is on the stage before the game warming up like like rapping singing and like the players are coming out of the locker room not even getting taped like just they just want to see that so it was uh <laughs> it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun they were huge saints fans and all those those i say kids now they're, they're grown obviously they're grown men they were all huge huge saints fans absolutely well i, I want to thank you for your time um you know yes. getting a little bit of insight for the carolina panthers and also a little bit of insight in your time uh in north carolina uh, and uh, I'll, I guess I'll see you around in the press box at some point then. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there this weekend. So hopefully we can get back on the uh, on the winning track. We want to thank Jake DeLone for coming on the Culture State Podcast. But before we talk a little bit more about him, uh, Dennis still has South Carolina on his mind, and he has I, some stuff I, to get out on his, to get out his chest. You brought up feelings, Chris. Okay, you're talking oh, about Carolina. Okay. No, no. Anytime someone refers to Carolina, they refer to the state mm -hmm. of 
North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. No, unless you're a South Carolina Gamecocks fan, for those people that down there, they like to call themselves Carolina, like, oh, can't wait to go watch this Carolina Kentucky game. No, you're going to go watch the South Carolina Gamecocks play Kentucky. No, you're not Carolina. People say Carolina. They think, oh, I love Carolina beaches. Guess what they're talking about? They're talking about Wrightsville, Topsail, Atlantic Beach, Carolina Beach, Curry Beach, all those wonderful beaches. They're that not we talking have. about Hilton Head or, or Myrtle Beach? No, they're not. No, they're <laughs> not. Myrtle Beach, really? The wonderful beaches of Carolina. We're going to throw Myrtle Beach in there, Chris. Get out of here. Get out of here. Your barbecue stinks. Get out of here. This is Dennis right now. He's just got the angry face of South Carolina. What about those beautiful palmetto trees? I'm sorry. North Carolina pines. Superior. Get out of here. <laughs> um, what about the beautiful golf courses in South Carolina? Oh, there's plenty of beautiful golf courses in North Carolina. Come on, Chris. Don't even start here. Don't even start. Okay. I just wanted to see just, you know. I, I forgot to even play our bump music coming back from that. That's, that's how angry I am, Chris. It's all good. It's all good. Um, we'll get off of South Carolina for a little bit just so Dennis's thank heart rate can go down. Uh, but we want to thank Jake Delome uh, for coming on with us. You know, super nice guy. And, um, you know, I, I love the fact to have him on there. He, he feels like an open book that you can kind of ask him anything. Uh, but I, I was kind of shocked that, there is no allegiance to the saints. I, you would think yeah. that growing up in that area and uh -huh. that is your first professional team, the first team to really give you, give you a shot. I understand why he would feel an allegiance towards the, the Carolina Panthers because that's where he truly made his name. Yeah. But he still lives in Louisiana. He's from Louisiana. That's the team in the area. That's the first team to give you the shot. That's that was very interesting to me. Well, one thing to keep in mind, Chris, is that for a long time, the Saints were bad, like really bad. Sure. They were for the a Aints. long time. Yeah, they ain't. They ain't win nothing. Uh, so, OK, they had a couple decent seasons in, in the 90s and stuff with with Aaron Brooks. Shout out ACC legend Aaron Brooks. But it's for a long time. The Saints just weren't a good football team. They were just a dormant. Uh, that's it's all or, or doormat, I should say. Um, I was gonna say, is that how you say it in Virginia? Yeah, it's doormat. <laughs> exactly. They're the dormants, uh, the New Orleans dormants. Um, but yeah, they were just a doormat for a lot of teams. And then yeah, it, plus as well, is that because you've had so much long success not too far away with the Dallas Cowboys, but there's a ton of Cowboys fans down there who probably never have stepped in the state of, of Texas ever. Um, you know, it's it's Louisiana, so maybe they have. It's it's like, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina. You know, like people from South Carolina have come up to North Carolina to have fun. Yeah, because North Carolina is better. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you're hilarious. Um, <laughs> so Jake Delon on the podcast. Want to thank him. Uh, we recorded that after the uh, Cowboys game, but before. Um, the the Philadelphia Eagles game. So that's why it was a, it's a little dated with certain references. Um, so as we're recording this right now, we don't know what's going to happen with the Panthers and Eagles game. We're hoping that uh, as we're talking, as you're hearing this, that the Panthers are four and one yeah. being the Eagles. But, you know, anything can happen in NFL. Um, but also, as we're ending this, this thing off, we have a, a brand new sponsor to the yes. show. Oh, pizza, everybody. That's right. 
Papa, Papa Murphy. Pizza. Bringing families together through food people love. Again, check out Papa Murphy's wherever you are. Trust me, they're not only just in North Carolina and in Raleigh. They're all over the place. So check out Papa Murphy's Pizza. Get something good for yourself and for the family. It's delicious pizza. And also, you know who loves pizza, Chris? Who? Other than me. Other than me. Um, my girlfriend loves pizza. I think you love pizza because who doesn't love pizza? But you know who really loves pizza? Who's synonymous Ooh. with loving pizza? The Ninja Turtles. You know where the original Ninja Turtles movie was filmed, Chris? The one in 1990? Right here in North, North Carolina. Carolina. Right here in North Carolina. You put me onto that one. Right here in North Carolina. That's what's up. I like how you tied all that together. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So um, I knew maybe was, was the phone in South can... Carolina? No, North <laughs> Carolina. Maybe we can recreate a couple of Ninja Turtle scenes with Papa Murphy's pizza. I yes, that would yes. be cool. Uh, as long as I get to be Raphael, that's I, that's all well, I care about. You being Raphael makes sense. <laughs> I'm Michael gonna be? I'm Michelangelo. I'm the cool guy. You know what, really, we should actually switch that because you're the moody one, and Raphael's kind of moody. Excuse me. <laughs> I've already claimed Mike. No, no. You, sir. I'm Raphael because I like the color red. That's pretty much all. Like, hey, I, like I love color orange. My girlfriend, super smart, also loves the color purple. She could be Donatello. Bingo. Okay. All right. We can go that direction. Carissa is going to be a little bit too small to be, uh, what is it, Leonardo? She could be Splinter, I guess. <laughs> um, she's probably not gonna like you too much after listening to this. <laughs> come, on. come on, smash! She could be April O'Neil. She could be I'm, April O'Neil. There we go. Okay. There we go. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna even tell her you said this. I'm just gonna let her listen to the podcast <laughs> and and have her her okay. hear that you're like, oh, oh, so Dennis thinks I'm Splinter. Oh, okay. Splinter's awesome. Okay. Splinter is amazing. That's a compliment. There's He's a little one. short rat. And my wife is 4'11. What are you trying to say? That she's awesome. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fine. Tell me I'm wrong, Chris. Tell me I'm wrong. That's fine. We'll we'll go with it. We'll go with it. We'll we'll see what she says though. I, I'm 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 gonna be waiting for her text or her FaceTime after she hears this. Okay. So, and I'll keep you posted on what she says. I'll keep you guys posted on what she says as well, right here in the Culture State Podcast. Uh, <laughs> from my man Dennis Cox, and also for Papa Murphy's. Make sure you go check them out. And every Tuesday, get any Lord's pizza for just ten ninety nine. Papa Murphy's change the way you pizza. We got to go there and um, get some pizza, mm -hmm. and uh, just post some stuff on Instagram just to make them happy. Let's do we it. Do that. I'm with it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> this is uh, hopefully this is not Dennis's last episode because my wife gets to him. <laughs> I may not have a podcast partner. Thank uh, you guys for listening so much. You listen to the Coach Day podcast. Yes, sir. We'll be back next week with another great one. The Culture State Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network with new shows coming out every Wednesday. Download and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts, including the WREL Sports Fan app.